Finally, some sleep. After several hours of blissful sleep, my morning started at the break of dawn with Sarah sneaking into the den where I was sleeping to show me her newly manicured playground. Five pumps, a quiver, and an apology later, I had fallen asleep again, only to be awoken by my daughter. Thank God I woke up lying on my belly because the resurrection of my sex life had translated into a troubling morning woody. Parker. I stayed on my belly, just like when I was growing up. You could call me Dad if you want. It felt corny to say, but I didn't care. Hmm, look at me. I've got two dads, like Billy Ranieri. Well, it's probably a little different. Lighten up, Pop. There you go. I like that. Very Midwestern. Call me Pop, and Larry can be Dad. But you're my dad, too. I like your style, kid. Let's go with Pop until the sting wears off for Larry. Good plan. You up yet? Want to hang out? You know I do. Can you do me a favor, though? Can you take my keys off the desk there and grab the cooler from the back seat of my car and bring it in? Sure thing, Pop. Sarah had very little for breakfast, so Harper and I volunteered to make a grocery run at DeMond's, the little grocery store in Douglas, Sagatok's kissing cousin of a town just across the Blue Star Highway. We got bagels and fruit for everyone, but I also took the opportunity to pick up some gems I haven't eaten since I married Margot. It was heaven. The first thing I bought was Captain Crunch, Oops All Berries cereal. Are you kidding me? Nothing but the Crunch Berries? Oops, I'm in heaven. Sugary cereal was just the start. Our shopping cart looked like a diabetic death trap. Donuts, Pop-Tarts, Coke, Oreos, Nutter Butters, basically enough sugar to bring an elephant to its knees. During our breakfast-gathering excursion, Harper told me she was nervous about a two-part pom-pom tryout that day. She also told me she had a crush on a new boy, which made me deathly nervous. That's all she told me, though, and let me tell you what. Trying to get a 14-year-old girl to tell you about her new crush is about as easy as finding Jimmy Hoffa. I had the feeling there's probably still a lot for me to learn about teenage girls. I was so impressed with the way she carried herself and how many people she knew. Basically, everyone. It was fun to see, just like with her mother, people lit up when she came around. I watched people go out of their way to come and say hi to her. Who knew I could love two people so much? Not me, that's for sure. When we got back to the house, Sarah and Larry were at the kitchen table having coffee and from the look on Larry's face, an obviously painful talk. Piper was asleep at Sarah's feet. Chewie was safely hidden out of earshot in the study I had slept in the night before. Larry snapped too as Harper bounced into the room and then into his lap. She could tell he was upset and said, Don't sweat it, Dad. Do you want to practice? One last time before the tryouts? You should have seen him hop to it. I don't know who was more excited, Larry or Harper. Sarah whispered to me as she set a speaker and an iPod on the kitchen table. Wait until you see this. Britney Spears blasted through the kitchen. One, two, three, and then words only a teenager could decipher after that. It was high-energy dance music, and what was happening in front of me was incredible. 
I watched Harper slap, cheer, and make her arms like an Egyptian to the music. She was so good I felt ten foot two and bulletproof. My chest heaved with an overwhelming sense of pride. It was more than I could keep inside. I had tears welling up in my eyes. I never knew the kind of love a parent could feel for their child, but it must be natural because suddenly I had it by the bucketful. I looked over at Sarah, who was smiling back at me with tears in her eyes. All I could do is put my hand to my chest, as it felt like there was nothing more for me to say. I felt self-conscious about all the clying I'd been doing, but none of it could be avoided. Piper had left the room to escape the noise, and Chewie had entered to explore it. I had no idea he was behind me until he whispered in my ear, Holmes, is that for real? I turned my attention away from my daughter to see Larry, in his own world, dancing and clapping. To my surprise, he was better than Harper. Way better than Harper. He was lost in himself and his dancing. It was incredibly gay and absolutely wonderful. I thought about the plan I'd set in motion the day before. This might actually work. Larry's tuning forks were ringing like motherfuckers, and in an instant, all my love for him smothered any agitation I might have felt over his earlier pettiness. I could more than understand his less than pleasant reaction to my showing up, especially now that I had gotten to know the wonderful daughter he thought he'd be losing. It made sense. He'd been a great dad for her in my absence. I appreciated him for that. You could tell Harper loved him dancing there with her. It was spectacular. I know it's probably not feasible, but every teenage girl should have a gay dad, too. And then the music stopped. The power went out. If I was a cat, I'd have jumped six feet in the air. Not because I was on my second energy drink, but because I thought I felt the world move under my feet. Literally. I wondered whether I was just being emotional. But there was no mistaking it. Something had really happened. It was like a miniature earthquake without any shake. Just a bump. Did you feel that? Sarah asked me. Was that an earthquake? Where are the breakers? I asked, perhaps too frantically. Larry was locked in his dance pose, perfectly still from where the music had left off, like he was a toy that just ran out of batteries. In my mind, all I could see was the image of our big blue marble splitting in two. The electrical panel is in the laundry room. I can check it, Sarah said. I'll go with you. I ran into the pantry and turned around. Where's the laundry room? Come with me, Spaz, she said, and I followed her to a room off the kitchen and looked in horror as I saw no thrown breakers. The power to the house was out. My chest was white hot. What would happen when the earth splits in two? This was too early. I wanted to scream at the heavens, I'm not done yet! Please. I didn't know the science. How painful would our demise be? Would every single living creature die in excruciating death? Were we all lobsters in some alien race's boiling water? It was getting harder for me to breathe. I ran outside to see if anything was happening. Nothing. After a good ten minutes or so of white-hot panic, I felt Sarah wrap her arms around me. What's wrong, Parker? Why are you so upset? I can tell something is wrong. Piper could, too. She hadn't left my side since the bump, which freaked me out even more. 
animals know when big-time major shit is about to go down. It's a scientific fact. When a tsunami is coming, you won't find a bird or animal anywhere near the shore. They all know well in advance to head to higher ground. They don't see a wave we can't. They just know it's coming. Oh, probably just a lack of sleep and me being excited. I guess I'm a little jumpy. I lied. Larry asked if we could pick up a generator to take to the school in case their power is out. He can't get in touch with the coaches and the phones are down too. Can you come help me? I could show you around while we're there. She was smiling, a terrific smile, a wonderful, loving smile, but I couldn't enjoy it. I was back on the roof of my childhood home, face down on that wet tarp, sliding slowly towards the edge, the fall unavoidable. Sure, I felt like crying, but for once in my life, I didn't.